saying how much they want a strong woman. What they really want is a cheerleader. I'd like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking. I just want what everybody wants. I seem to have a harder time getting it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 283, French Courtrooms. We, we, it's your host, Ify Wadi Way, and in the booth with me are my friends. So let me introduce you to them. First up, we have Ify Shakuda Ajiyoma Wadi Way's favorite critic in America's Two. If you don't think so, I will beat you up. Alonzo Duralde, what's good? Uh, well, I'll tell you, Ify, big week for me as a fan of the Stephen Sondheim Musical Company. Uh, a couple of big news things that broke. First of all, there was a big revival in New York a couple of years ago. It, it, it was about to open right when the pandemic hit, and then finally was able to later. Uh, and they gender swapped the lead role, which is a big deal. And people went crazy for it, won some Tonys, the whole thing. And uh, they just announced this week that they're going to be touring North America in winter of 2023 and spring of 2024, which means... As someone who never manages to get to New York, I can finally hopefully see this production when it comes to Los Angeles. And then today I found out, and I, they're probably never getting to this one, but Antonio Banderas is starring in a Madrid production entirely in Spanish. Ooh. And uh, I at least got to get my hands on that cast album when it happens, because <laughs> how you translate Bobby Booby, Bobby Baby, Bobby, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, if, if you're a company head, uh, these are exciting times. Are they going to do it in the Spanish with the lisp? Probably. Like, proper, it's, it's, like, it's Madrid. It's, uh, you know what? Yeah. I, I've, I've never seen musical theater in Madrid, so I can't say. Like, if you're doing a zarzuela, you know, of course you have to, which is the old school operetta. But uh, the more contemporary stuff, I have no idea what the kids are up to. But, um, you know, <laughs> even Fondheim is doing his thing. <laughs> I am ready for that. You know, look, maybe we should just take a group trip to to go see it. I, I think uh, yeah, you don't got to ask me twice. Yeah, let's. I'm a, I'm a, look, I'm going to hop on the phone. I'm going to see if we can get it on the Max Fun Dime. We'll do an episode. We'll do an episode. Sure. Maybe look, two. Come on. I got Thorn. thorn. You, look, listen, Jesse. Listen, listen, listen. Swish, back us up. <laughs> uh, speaking of having your back and backing you up, it's the queen of the Midwest, super festival programmer, <laughs> producer, all around town, Rolo Tony Brown town, making it go down with the skincare. It's Dre Clark. What's good? Yay, I'm sad. No, I don't have any skincare to follow that up with. Although I always do. Just ask me. I'm here to curate uh, specialty choices for you. But what's good with me, um, I actually already spoiled to Alonzo yesterday. You guys, I finally watched Willow, the new series. I was not like piping hot for it. Was not like, ooh, that wasn't one that I was waiting for them to come out so I could binge it. But my friend Tessa, who knows what I enjoy in this world and what I enjoy in this world includes beautiful, tall Indian British men named Amar Chada Patel, who plays like the, he plays Borman, who's the sort of, if Harrison Ford was in this and was a tall, beautiful <laughs> Indian British man. <laughs> but it's so, I had no idea it was as queer friendly as it is. Like the central, one of the central love stories are, um, the knight and the princess who are two girls who grew up together and have like, oh, just like passionate, you know, like a oh, love for the ages. Let's do, let's battle all things bad. Anyway, it's 
peppy and light and you don't need to remember anything from the original, which is good because I don't think the I original certainly was don't. good. <laughs> yeah. But it has a, a lot of really wonderful flashbacks and so much heart. It was a very fun view. That's me. <laughs> Done. Oh, look, it's look, it's good. It's good. And you know what else is good? Our amazing guests that we yeah. have on this pod <laughs> almost so all true. the time. So you know today's episode is no different. Director of the Independent Spirit Award nominated for Our Best Father Feature. Don't even, it's not just like, oh, we need a side cat. For Best Feature, five films total, this is one of them. Yes, indeed. It is Ellie Fumbi. What's good? Oh, man. Yay! Um, it's hard Woo. to follow this up. Um, actually, I was going to say just being home <laughs> and sitting at home and not doing anything. But what's funny is I saw this incredible doc on um, a, a, a pianist named Norman Malone. It's called For the Left Hand. And that really its about this. Apparently, he was attacked when he was younger um, by his father. And he can't use his right hand anymore. And so in, in instead of giving up his dreams of becoming a concert pianist, he practiced just with his left hand and and learned all the repertoires for the left hand. And this was a story I didn't, I just happened to catch on some channel and was fascinated by. So that made me happy. <laughs> wow. I love a doc that gives more inspiration than um, total bummerhood of how terrible yeah. humanity is. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely much needed this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Iffy, what's good? Oh, thank you. Yep. Oh, what's good with me besides being uh, voted best uh, Spirit Award date uh, arm candy? <laughs> uh, you know, just, by just an independent survey. Yeah by, by, yeah, by an independent survey. Just keep putting that out there. Uh, you know, uh, you just uh, lots, just catching some fresh pow. Uh, if you didn't know, I got real into snowboarding last year. It rolled through this year. And uh, it, what's really fun about snowboarding is that when you you see another black person snowboard and they're like real excited to see you they're like ah yeah they're like yep and we're like yeah yeah <laughs> like there's like the it's the nod but we nod way harder we're like yes we both know we're it's way too cold for us because it's extra hard for me like my nigerian jeans are fighting against uh the coldness that is uh oh Actually, I meant to, this is, I saved this, <laughs> speaking of, and this actually flows right into this. So I was with my dad on Sunday for uh, Saturday for my mom's birthday. And for the longest time, I always told the anecdote about how my dad, the first place he came from, um, the first state he lived in after coming from Nigeria was Minnesota. And then he left because it was too cold. Uh, but this Saturday, I found me, out. Me, me too. The, yeah, well, this Saturday I found out the season that he was in no. when he left was spring. Oh. <laughs> it was spring. And and I was like, wait, what? All this time I've told this story, I thought it was like a winter. He was like, no, it was spring. And they said it gets colder than that. So I left. <laughs> 100%. Winter continues in Minnesota. Like, you will have snowfall through, like, March. I mean, Prince had a whole song. About it snowing in April. Yeah, good point. <laughs> the man knew what he was talking about. And I very much, that really does up your uh, dad's anecdote. 
So yeah, yeah. If, if, are you starting to use terms like freshy fresh now or something? Oh, you know? oh, oh definitely. Oh, uh, no. I'm really, I've been, my writer brain, I was like, okay, how do I like do a new reboot of Johnny Bahama, which if you don't remember, was the Disney movie about the surfer who starts snowboarding. Oh. And the difference was you lean forward when you, snow, when you surf, sure. you lean back when you snowboard. Uh, so that's my current project. <laughs> It's the same. Uh, there's the same difference in skateboarding and snowboarding. Oh, like, really? Because I'm goofy foot in both, but like how you lean, it's a, yeah, it'll mess you up. I think I you mean, should make really it a musical. There'd be a number called "Lean Back," and you're, you're yeah. good to go. Nice. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, Drea's just made a mistake of letting me know that she's snowboard, so I'll drag her up to the mountains with me one of these days. But right now. We're going to take a look at a film from French Senegalese director Alice Diop. Then we'll take a timely hotline call about movies that are hard to see. But first, it's time for Itadik, our movie news segment short for Is This Important? Do I Care? Where we read some movie news from this week and answer the question, is this important and if we care? Alonzo? I think you're kicking things off this week. I am. I don't, you know, if, if you sense a certain, you know, mournful tone coming from Drea, it's because... Sundance 2023 is over. Uh, the festival <laughs> yeah. wrapped up last week uh, with an in-person award ceremony. Grand Jury Prize went to A.V. Rockwell's 1001, which Focus is releasing later this year. Uh, the U.S. Doc Prize went to Going to Mars, the Nikki Giovanni Project, directed by Joe Brewster and Michelle Stevenson. And a few films took home multiple awards, including uh, Mariam Keshavar's The Persian Version and D. Smith's Kokomo City. Is this important? Do you care? Do we even have to ask? Do we even have we to have ask? Yeah, it can. was a rhetorical. Is this important? <laughs> I yeah. So I I'm psyched about these winners. I think um, uh, hopefully people are familiar familiar with Miriam's previous work, Circumstance. Um, yes, love it. Her new film, the Persian version, is a very different energy than Circumstance. And uh, it's great. It's more mother-daughter. Um, it's still looking at Iranian-American, you know, sort of subcultural and familial angles. But um, one of the films that won that I'm super excited about and hope that a ton of people get to see is Kokomo City. It played in our next section, and uh, it follows four black trans sex workers, and it is, like, sort of fly on the wall. You're getting to know, like, these become your girlfriends. Like, it is a whole thing, and it's very exciting. I just love it when movies like that get recognized, and that hopefully will help elevate them and get them in front of eyes. Yeah, I didn't really get to see anything this year, unfortunately, but but Kokomo City is definitely high on the list of movies I want to see, along with another doc about trans sex workers, The Stroll, uh, which Zachary Duck Drucker co-directed and I believe is going to be popping up on HBO later this year. Oh, nice. Ooh. I, of course, as ever, saw primarily narratives because I'm a fiction bitch, <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's a ton of great movies. They will be all over your eyeballs. Um, Past Lives is one of my very favorites and was a big sale, will be a big thing. Greta Lee is fantastic in that. And if you ever wanted her to say happy birthday baby to you, you will now want her to say so many more things. Um, there's a couple British films I loved, Rye Lane and Scrapper. Um, very different, but very enjoyable. Um, some great queer stuff. Cassandra, where... Uh, yes. Gael, <laughs> Roger Ross Williams. Yeah. Yes, I love Roger yes. so much. And he's like a very accomplished... 
uh, documentarian, similar to uh, Alice Diop, who we'll be discussing today. And so seeing them on like the narrative side is fun. All Dirt Road's Taste of Salt is exec mm-hmm. produced by um, our best friend Barry Jenkins, yep. best friend in my head. And fun <laughs> fact, a film directed by a former USC student of mine, Savannah Leaf, played called Earth Mama. And I'm thrilled for her and really hope that that gets a lot of like interest and eyeballs. So yes, congrats to the filmmakers and congrats to the filmmakers that didn't get in either. You will find homes. <laughs> and I will shamelessly say, go check the movie reviews page at The Wrap. I assigned a ton of reviews out of Sundance this year, including several of the films that Drea just mentioned. Ooh. Yeah, I hope they like them. Or I <laughs> they, 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 they did. <laughs> Those movies, anyway. Yes, those movies. Well, speaking of movies, uh, last week we talked a bit about Andrea Riseborough's surprising journey to becoming an Oscar nominee for Two Leslie. This week, that story has a new wrinkle. The Academy announced they were, quote, conducting a review of the campaign procedures around this year's nominees to ensure that no guidelines were violated and to inform us whether changes to the guidelines may be needed in a new era of social media and digital communication. While the Academy didn't specifically call out to Leslie, it is generally understood that Riseboro's nomination is the one that sparked this statement. Is this important? Do you care? Yeah, there's there's a like about eight things going on here. Because on the one hand, it's like, oh, you know, it's this little movie. They didn't have a budget and they just, you know, did a grassroots campaign. On the other hand, it's a grassroots campaign that includes like, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow and Howard Stern, you know. Right. Um, the smoking gun here seems to be an Instagram post from uh, actress Frances Fisher, who not only sort of like was doing the push that was happening among a lot of you know actors and actresses that were had been contacted by the wife of the director to Leslie actress Mary McCormick uh, where she specifically started talking about the numbers needed to get her across and then said that Kate Blanchett Michelle Yeoh uh, Viola Davis and Daniel Deadweiler all seem to be a lock and the the one big rule of the academy thing is you can't while you're promoting somebody you can't unpromote anybody else and right. that's that's the thing we're pointing to and unfortunately two of the people that she promoted are two of the people whose absence from this category this year has angered a great many people yeah it's so stupid like we talk all the time of how the Academy Awards is is such a political machine that it's yeah. this hugely expensive uh, machinery in place that doesn't really reflect just merit. I mean, it's not just, yeah. oh, this is an actual artistic... Yeah. No, it's like the you Iowa know, caucus. Of, you have these exactly. experts who know exactly how to break down their precincts, yeah. you know. And it's hard because it's, it's, it's a really curious case study because so many of the people who got behind this, and again, I'll add a reminder, this is a fantastic performance. Like, yeah. Andrea Riceborough into Leslie is doing some remarkable work. She's nominated for that exact performance at the Spirit Awards. Like she, it's not just like, oh, we we picked something out of nowhere. It was, oh, this is a film that's certainly not gonna have any money to do any kind of campaigning. And it has to have campaigning to get eyeballs. And it's, it's the, the fascinating part is that so many of the people involved in it were other actresses who I'm guessing often feel powerless in this state of, 
so who's going to put money? I mean, I keep, and other people brought this up, but like when Melissa Leo bought her own for right. your consideration ad Consider. and like had this, it literally looked like she, she was like, I'm going to put a fur coat on and have my mom take a picture. Like it was the most like awkward looking thing. But if you were an actor and you're like, no one's running this, no one cares if I'm nominated or something. So to have that, but, but also then to overstep of don't, don't shit on other actors while you are trying yeah. to uplift something you love. Like, yeah. no, you may not know all the finite details of what was allowed here and there, but I don't ever think, I mean, dirty campaigning is necessary. And especially to do it of like, oh, this is a foregone conclusion. Like, these yeah. right. ones are fine. That's nonsense. Nothing's ever fine. You no. never know. There's always upsets. Exactly, especially for women of color, it's always a much more perilous journey for those yeah. those you know I mean, I feel the same way. I think on one end, I was very conflicted obviously i was I was heartbroken for danielle and for for Viola, but on one end i I feel like yes, the smaller film should get the opportunity should get you know like but on the other end, it's like, well, yeah, don't break the rules like let's if we're all playing by one set of rules, then let's all play by that set of rules. let's not circumvent that and you know, and then this happens. So I think it's good that there is a review of what these rules are. And if and if things need to change, then let's make it a, a, an even playing field for everybody. So, Ellie, you, you've got a Spirit Award nomination. Do you have your 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 uh, volunteers on the ground knocking on doors in the precinct? I mean, and, you know, the sad thing signatures? is I'm, I'm the Andrea Riseborough of my category. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't even hate on her because I literally no campaign money. I don't even know how I'm here. <laughs> but uh, I, I definitely like empathize. So it's like, hey, girl, do what you got to do. I, I will remind here because I also I agree with Ellie that it would be awesome to see these rules change. But I would like it to see much like politics themselves. Like, yeah, you should yeah. have to get rid of all campaigning. Like, it's so it's so stupid how much money goes into it yeah. and how that Agreed. shapes and, and, and yeah, boxes they, out so many people. If they do change Agreed. the rules, I hope it's not in a way that continues to screw over yeah. the people who don't come to this yes. level playing field. Yeah. And, the, and then a small <laughs> reminder, even if they do take this away from Andrew Riceboro, which I oh, they, honestly they did think, not. They announced today they would. Oh, they not. did. I was like, I, I was going to say, I honestly yeah. would find that very unlikely. But um, even if they, even if they had, they wouldn't have f picked a new nominee. Like that's not how it works. There just right. would have only right. been four nominees. Four. So it would have just been ugly all around. Ugly for everyone. Anyway, we'll see where it goes next time. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say though, the unfortunate downfall of that is for her is that it's the negative publicity that's now surrounding her nomination, which, you know, I agree with you. She's a phenomenal actress, and her performance is amazing, and that's going to be overshadowed by this controversy. So that's yep. unfortunate. Yep. Yeah. Well. Speaking of seeing, uh, Regal Cinemas is going to screen all the best picture nominees so that you can see them. Some nice Regal news this week. So the Rowdy Regal writers uh, stand <laughs> up. If you want to catch up on best picture nominees, all 10 films will be playing at Regal Cinemas around the country. That even includes Netflix's All Quiet on the Western Front, a film that never got much of a U.S. theatrical run when it came out last fall. Each movie, from Top Gun Maverick to Women Talking, will be screened in the 10 days leading up to the March 12th ceremony. And according to Regal's website, tickets are $6. Is this important? Do you care? Hell yeah. I, yeah, the, the yeah. whole point yeah. of the Academy Awards in the first place was to 
get people to go see movies that were a little bit old at this point. And given the the way the past couple of years have played out, anything that gets butts and seats is a good thing. And and I think if, if there's a thing that we can agree that doesn't suck about the Academy Awards is that it does get people to see something like To Leslie or After Sun or Women Talking that they might yeah. not have otherwise. But now that it's got this imprimatur on it, they're like, okay, well, now I guess I got to see it. Ooh, imprimatur. You know, I love when you lose <laughs> fancy words. <laughs> I do it for you, Drea. Thank you. Because in, in we'll talk about this more later because I know it's in a whole other section of discussion today, but like so many films don't do a big theatrical release and the Oscar and part of it's, they don't have the the budget for mm-hmm. that. Like, you know, there's a ton of indies that don't have any theatrical anymore. So the Oscars are there as part of a, uh, as part of their advertising campaign. Like that's what a nomination is. So Regal doing this is great, but also I love it when there's, I mean, there's some big ass stupid like the idea that Top Gun Maverick and women talking are in the same category is stupid like that's stupid. It's so ridiculous but yeah. I mean you know cinema good for you yeah. apples the and idea- propaganda exactly <laughs> but like the idea and I loved Top Gun Maverick not in this category but I do <laughs> like the idea of people being able to see the full range of things because normally that's a critique every year right you're like oh cool the Oscars I've been able to see two of these, even if I yeah. wanted to. So that's fun. I hope it's I hope it's a uh, national, and uh, people enjoy that sweet, sweet six dollar price. Mm-hmm. On that note, we're gonna take a break. But when we come back, you'll be hearing about Saint Omer. One more time this week, we are sponsored by the Creative Dreamers at Star of Magnolia. They're asking our listeners to support their mission to make a feature film. Okay, like many true independent filmmakers, they are grassroots doing this, growing their business, and it makes sense that they're doing it because they were best friends since fifth grade. That's right, collaborators Madeline and Carolyn, BFF, and film project collaborators for 16 years. They even hosted a small film fest in North Bend, Washington, showcasing the films they've made over the years. They are now taking their friendship and skills and launching their own production company named after the street they grew up on, which is so sweet. Their film King Terra is currently in the works. It will be their first feature film, the one that will launch their company as they pursue the dream they've shared since childhood. King Terra is about a young woman who realizes there is a betrayal in the king's court and must make a decision. Will she stand for what she believes in? even if it could mean the end of her kingdom as she knows it. To support their project, go to their GoFundMe page, www.gofundme.com forward slash King Terra Film. That's gofundme.com forward slash K-I-N-G-T-A-R-A-F-I-L-M. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Huvuati Way, in the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Ellie from B. Alonzo Duralli. Today's movie that was directed by Alice Diop won the Grand Jury Prize at the Venice Film Festival. Shout out to Alonzo. It was France's submission to the Academy Awards for Best International Feature, though it didn't end up on the very short list of nominees. Alonzo, in honor of the Venice Film Festival, <laughs> would you mind giving us a brief synopsis of St. Omer? 
the Venice Film Festival that I missed this year because I had COVID. Just <laughs> the, quick, the quick reminder there. Where our guest Ellie's film premiered, too. Oh, great. Ooh, See, that's, so that, that's a through lines. That's I'm a here to be your connection. hype man. I'm ready. Thank you, Drea. Thank yes. you. Thank you. I hope all the voters at the Indie Spirit Awards are checking in. <laughs> so this is uh, the first uh, narrative feature from documentary filmmaker Alice Diop. She attended the actual trial upon which this film is based, but in this um, fictionalized version, uh, Guslagi Melanda stars as Laurence Coley. Uh, she is a woman who is accused of drowning her infant daughter, and the evidence seems to suggest that she did in fact do it, but she pleads not guilty, and the trial proceeds to sort of uncover and uh, understand and elaborate uh, what the circumstances were and how these events happened. Um, the trial has many witnesses, including a novelist named Rama, played by a newcomer Kaiji Kagame, um, who is a professor and a novelist and is working on a character similar to Laurence, a woman who murders her children. The name Medea, the, the of, of Greek mythology, is dropped more than once. Uh, and over the course of the trial, we come to understand uh, Laurence's life, how she came to France from her native Senegal, the pressures that have been put upon her, first by her family, later by white society in France, and uh, how all of these uh, different factors uh, culminate in a shocking act and what perhaps... Uh, uh, lay the groundwork for her to be driven to uh, such a, a, a horrible uh, conclusion. Saint Omer. Yeah. Uh -huh. Just to kick things off, you know, one of the things that you know I've learned, you know, looking into it after, uh, among just the story of Medea, is that this movie was based on a real trial in France that Alice Diop really attended and uh, Diop has previously been a director of documentaries uh, and this is her first narrative specifically because she, since cameras weren't allowed in the courtroom she kind of had to make a narrative but uh, yeah this is this is essentially a retelling of her experience um, going into it so you know I know we have some fans in here how did you feel about her foray into the narrative world as Drea loves uh, so much? Fiction bitch in the house. <laughs> yeah, I, um, this is a really interesting foray into a narrative, right? Like there's certainly, and we, we mentioned one earlier today, like Roger Ross Williams, there's definitely a history of uh, documentarians who move into a narrative space and, and the, the crossover of skill set and what you'll bring and maybe how your perspective's different. And one of the things that stands out about Saint-Omer Saint is it's it's such a still film. I mean, it's you're 70% of it in this courtroom. And of those 70% of the time that you're in the courtroom, it's like four shots. You're just watching long shots of people giving, like that are acting, that are whatever. And where I think she's really successful and it's the kind of choices that sneak up on you because this is certainly a film that's not for everyone that many people could be like, it was fine, but I just wanted them to get to it. Whereas I was so in the, the woman who's on trial had like such a beautifully immersive performance to me. I was like, oh, this is a documentary because she absolutely did that. This is her life experience. And I'm watching her like plead for like her life in a way. And 
so I, I just think that the choices Alice makes, and then there's the smallest of framing things because of when you're looking at who the audience is, the congregation. What is it when you're in the audience? The, 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 uh, the spectators? Spectators, sure. But there's just this, like, there's a reveal at one time. You think you're watching the shot that's just on Rama, and you're like, why is this old white man framed out at the beginning? Like, who's this dude in the foreground that's sort of in blur, and why is he keeping... In and then, like, 20 minutes later, you're like, oh, that's the guy. Like, you've been hearing about this dude. And it's just really smart choices like that. It's such effective storytelling, I think. Yeah, I, I was thinking about um, a, a few years ago, Dave and I got to see the uh, the Beckett play Happy End in Los Angeles with uh, Diane Wiest. And if you've never seen the play, it's a, a woman spends the first act of the play up to her hips in dirt basically and then the second act only her head is sticking out above ground and it is with the right performer absolutely riveting and so the thought that Gustavo Manlanda is giving this entire performance standing or sitting in the witness docket with no motion no you know no frills this is like she is standing there and she is talking to you but with her eyes with her inflections with so many different things like she is giving you a full range of who this woman is and and you know what she has endured what has brought her to where she is now even like every top she wears is this very kind of neutrally almost matches the wood wall behind her so it's like it's it's just amazing that she's so you just gravitate toward it even though she's given nothing to 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 like draw you in except for just this sort of raw presence i totally agree and i remember that was one of the things that struck me was how she matched the wall behind and almost seemed to disappear into it mm. and i think just to her performance yes the fact that she's standing and her hands are on that like post in front no. of her for so long and she's not even allowed to sit because I think there's a moment where she sits down mm. and the judge tells her to stand back up. Mm. And those static frames for me on the second watch were so claustrophobic. And I think the effect is 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 really powerful in that you just want to be able to breathe and have a, a yet and, and yet you can't because you're just there with her, you know, kind of trying to make sense of not even trying to make sense. I think what's really powerful to me about her performance is how restrained it is and how you might expect her to get emotional. And, and it's just very matter of fact. And, and there are moments when you see her break, but for me, that was, that was really masterful and allowing the audience to kind of feel that for her. I think there's such a key in this film about seeing yourself in someone so like you're there with this journalist or, or author mm. and and you learn more and more why she is seeing herself in this and you're getting flashbacks yes. to her own especially this her own connection with her mother but there's also something unique to this and it's one of the reasons I like pounced on Ellie to see if she would join us because there's a cultural exchange happening like you are finding out about this very specific immigrant experience in France from like African um, immigrants and like the the pressure or separation with their parents like as they arrive yeah. there and and Ellie's film which hopefully many people will get to see next year but also has um a completely different t tone and story, but it's there it's there's African immigrants in France and I feel like 
that idea of perspective of of what you're getting from like cultural differences and how those come across in storytelling. And so, Ellie, I I don't know, like when you saw, was there anything in this you found like either recognizable or like definitely? Dr- I mean, it's the yourself? baggage. Absolutely, it, it's it's the baggage that immigrants bring to other countries. You know, um, whether it's parental baggage, whether it's cultural baggage, whether it's you know some trauma that happened you know in in your home in your home country like in my movie um and i think for all immigrants who particularly africans who are coming to europe and don't find that they're arriving to such a welcoming place um one thing that struck me really was i saw so many parallels between this film and alice's last documentary we in sort of the, 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 I don't know if you guys have saw that, but um, where she's sort of following all these different um, people, lots of immigrants, people who are just following their everyday lives. And I saw the way that she sort of documents, you know, ordinary people for me and gives them value. For me, it felt like she was doing the same thing in Santo Mer. So it was really it did hit home quite hard. And I think you, you got the added thing of it's, it's not even just about like, you know, refugees coming to Europe or, or the United States or whatever, but there's the sole specific colonial history going on, Absolutely. you know, for, for, for the Senegalese in France, for, for Algerians, you know, and that I think adds a, a kind of cultural weight to, to the character's experience. Definitely. It yeah. also reminded me like if he's, made a years of fantastic observations about his father, but there's also something about parental expectation and how that in different countries is so unique and focused. Like this, there's this amazing moment where the, her, the woman who's on trial, her mother is in the courtroom and then the journalist goes and meets with her and you're introduced to this moment because the mother is in this like convenience store, um, bodega, like buying every newspaper that has the story in it and she's freaking psyched about it she's like did you see how many newspapers were in and i was like now you just blew my midwestern mind because linda clark would be buying those so no one else could see them ever and this woman's gonna like laminate them well what really kind of drove that home for me was when they're eating and she orders Mm -hmm. her meal and she was like oh you should have the fish you should like it was just like i was like oh this is like (laughs) the level of authenticity of being like i don't even know you but i know you're from my culture so I feel confident to speak on your life and think you should listen to me. And I, okay. there's that beautiful moment of her just being like, and a pint of beer too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, Ellie, if you want to speak to the, because I think the, the the newspaper scene is interesting in several ways. Because yeah, one that the mother's so excited about the publicity, but she's very specifically excited about how the daughter is being described by the white French press that ties into like childhood stuff and and. You know, I, I just I'm I'm curious your your take on that. In that moment, actually, I think she also caught herself because um, the journalist's reaction is not what she expects. Right. And so I, I yeah, it was it was tragic and very. Uh, I was like, yeah, this is typical African mother. I mean, she wants something. I think there's also a yearning for her daughter's life to mean something, to have value in some way, even if it's in this kind of horrific train wreck kind of way. Um, but that 
people are talking about her daughter, that her daughter's important. Well, and it's we, tragic. We, we learned the mother wouldn't let her speak the language of Senegal, that it had to be French and it had to be, you know, this, this very, you know, kind of Absolutely. classical uh, uh, French. And, and when the press points that out, like she's, it's almost this like uh, Mama Rose moment, you know, like this stage mother where it's like, yes, they're talking about how good her French is, you know. Right. I mean, that's mentioned many times. And I think yeah. it's, it's actually common. I, I have even a couple of Puerto Rican friends who talk about that, how they never sp- spoke Spanish because there's this pressure to assimilate and particularly in France, because it's all about really being French and stripping away all of the things that make you, you know, kind of unique. And they they really pride themselves of having more of a national identity and everyone sort of that isn't part of that is other is viewed as other. And so I think for immigrants, particularly Africans, you know, whether they're Algerian or sub-Saharan Africans who are coming to France, there's a lot more pressure to prove that they're French and that they're well-spoken, that they're, you know what I mean? So I feel like that actually speaks to some of the, you know, the societal issues there. It's such a, it's this, again, the really subtle intertwining of those, because you get a lot of this, the pride in how French um, she sounds and how yeah. polished and posh her accent is. And that she's like, yeah, I, I just sound educated because I'm I'm just educated. <laughs> and then, right. But also that the twist of the and the 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 element of this court case is when she's is explaining that she's like, I think that sorcery was involved. Like it introduces this very non-French, very like an othered excuse, right? Like, oh, this is so far out of what you're So then it's just met with nothing but disdain. And and what they're really getting at again, though, are like those cultural differences of when I'm saying sorcery, like maybe those are the words that I identified with, like for mental illness, for whatever else. Um, what I definitely want to get into, because I need to know if everyone was staring agape as I was, y'all, French court systems, whole different game. Like, oh, yeah, I was like, what? Right? what? <laughs> there's like this, this uh, in this that happened to be a female judge, and then it was just like this pure gender divide of like this very maternal female, I guess her lawyer, but then on the prosecution side was like, uh, angry white dude who was like, how dare you? How dare you, ma'am? Like, it was the funniest, like, just split with that. But so much of this court was this female judge, like, slightly graying. I was like, that is absolutely a wig. There's no way an actress that age has hair that color. Just saying. But um, that she's just asking these sensible, compassionate questions. And I'm like, uh-uh. I'm having the opposite of feeling of what I have when I watch Law and Order, and I'm like, oh, this is all bullshit. Burn yeah. it all down. It, it and, felt more right? like therapy than a trial, you know? Yes. <laughs> totally. She was trying, totally. they were trying numerous times to, like, give her an out, almost. Like, let's get into how things went wrong for you when you were young. And she was like, oh, I was very well taken care of. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, right. no, 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 no. You just said. Part of what is so brilliant about it is that it's subverting all of the expectations and all of the stereotypes that these white people have about, you know, a woman like that, of people who come from, you know, these other cultures. It's like, no, she was a very, a well she's a well-educated woman. She had a a good childhood. There wasn't any trauma back then. Maybe there was a distance between her and her mother, which, by the way, is mirrored by the journalists' kind of Absolutely. interesting, weird 
distant relationship with her mother as well. Um, and it re just refuses to lean into an easy answer of why this happened, you know? And I thought that that was really, really powerful. Yeah, the, the professor who, say, who says that she she can't really discuss Wittgenstein, but she told one of the one of the, the cops that she was a Cartesian thinker. So it's like, all right, what? Come on. Okay. <laughs> um, iffy. Now, I know you mentioned that maybe your ADD medicine ran short this week. And this was... It is like very long takes. Was this a, like being our man who speaks for the popular, you're the popular <laughs> voice, you're our populist. Did you find it difficult to engage with this or, or was there like a turning point when you're like, oh, I see what this is about? No, it definitely um, like just the moment the description of the case rings out. Like, like once they run through the beats, you're like locked in because now you're invested. And I think that's where like the legal drama element takes in, because even just in real life, this was a captivating case. Like, you know, uh, you know, the director said when she went to this case in real life, there were so many people that were drawn to coming in and seeing it and because it was kind of just, just that modern day spectacle that you don't yeah. really see anymore or it's already captured by media. And I think this is a, a testament to how interesting this is because the moment you hear that reading and hear her defense you're locked in you're like oh i gotta see how this is and in popular french fashion they don't tell you how the case ends they don't really do it it's up to you uh unless you like me google to see what happened in real life but i also i get why because yeah. it's not like it is about the case, but it is not about the case. It is really about her reaction to the case and how it is making her fear for herself, which I find relatable. When you find someone going through what you're going through and you start to wonder about yourself, especially when they mirror so much of that. And when you hear of somebody snapping and maybe they have the same background as you and they're going through the same thing, you're like, well, how much do I have left until I snap? Mm -hmm. So um, that's yeah. what makes it interesting. So instead of you know resolving the case, we are left to follow her to carry the weight of that case and... Uh, see her kind of in these last moments, I you know, with the last scene, which really is a scene that you want to be this long shot and to really drink in because it's a culmination of everything you watched uh, in the two hours that the movie is. I will let you know that the movie is two hours. Uh, like Alonzo, <laughs> many people have said, uh, you know, a, there, a good movie can't be too long and a bad movie can't be short enough. Uh, this is, of course, the former. The way that the character comes around and the character's journey, that the way that it kicks in, particularly when we realize that she's also, um, you know, going through something that's <laughs> without giving it away. Um, for me, that does start to sort of point to the, the, the burden of motherhood and also that cycle that, you know, both the, the accused has mm -hmm. gone through, unfortunately, and that she's going through and for me, there's hope maybe that she might break that cycle at the end of the film, which is which is kind of powerful where that film ends up. For sure. Agreed. Vote. 
I'll go first. I had really wanted to discuss this film. Um, this is the kind of discovery that just like delights me. I say delight as if this is, oh, it's so, what a romp in the woods. No, this isn't like what a fun time, but it's also uh, just enjoyable in the way that I think cinema can be. And so for me, I say it's a screen it. Um, but with the full caveat, if our discussion makes you like, no, no, thank you. You're fine. This is not for you, and that is okay. Find something that's for you. But I think for people who respond to um, dramatic films and things that, like, investigating human responses, and it's not a titillating courtroom, like, oh, the revelation, revelation. Like, the very first thing you hear is the laying out of what actually happened, and it's terrible. And then the whole time you're just listening, trying to... It's like so many crimes of like, why, why, why did you do that? And so it's just an excavation of um, a human experience in a very specific way and uh, driven by some fantastic performances. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a screen it as well. Um, and I think that it is the kind of movie that really benefits from the theatrical experience, not because, you know, anything's blowing up, but because it just that, that forced focus into, uh, you know, the screen and not having distractions and not having, you know, your cell phone go off or, or whatever else. And just really being in there in that moment, because it, it does suck you in, but in a, in a way that is so sort of on the surface minimal, you know, but, but it does absolutely pay off when you give it that level of concentration. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a haunting film. I, I agree with Dre. If it sounds like it's not your thing, there are other things to see, but, uh, if, if you, this sounds like something that you would be super into, you will be super into it. I'm going to agree. I'm going to say screen it for the exact same reasons that Alonso said screen it. I think you, you need to, you need that concentration. You can't have your phone itching at you. And I think just being in that theater and, just being forced to sit there and have the experience that, you know, the film takes you through is, is, is important. And if it's your kind of film, I think for those of people that really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to close out, I am also a uh, screen it as well. And I think another reason it's great to just see it in a theater on a screen is, you know, we talk a lot about like, you know, the loud explosions and sounds in the movies. But I think one of the things that I think lands really well in movies for me, too, is silence mm. and how yeah. it allows you to sit with it and kind of watch what's going on where you can almost hear a pin drop. And there's so many moments like that in this film that I think would just be uh, just one of those quintessential cinematic experiences, we'll say, to kind of sit with uh, the silence and take in the visual visuals. Um, I, you know, without giving away too much, the eye contact moment, I think, is one of my favorite parts of this movie. Agreed. But we won't be silent for much longer. Uh, we're actually going to take a break and hit you with some other shows for Maximum Fun, but we'll be right back, so don't go anywhere. All right? They can be anywhere. At your office, in your car, and they are wrong. My mom says that the gray house didn't exist, but she's wrong. He just does it wrong. Someone in your life is wrong about something. Something small, something weird, something vitally important. Only one person has the courage to tell them just how wrong they are. You know what you did was wrong, but your daughter is a liar who eats garbage. <laughs> 
They call me Judge John Hodgman. Listen to me on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. If someone in your life is doing you wrong, don't just take it. Take it to court. Submit your case at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. Hi, I'm Alex Schmidt. And I'm Katie Golden. And we make Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, a podcast about why seemingly ordinary stuff is actually the title of the podcast. Using tons of research, we take a joyful look at history and science and stories. And jokes. About the ordinary stuff in your life, because that's what makes those things amazing. Also jokes. So get excited about paper clips. Get thrilled about pigeons. Get all psyched up and running around the room about the imperial system of weights and measurements. For real, there's whole episodes about that stuff. Hear them anytime and hear new episodes Mondays at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm Yosef Iwadiwe. In the studio with me are... Alonzo Duralde. Ellie Fumbi. Drea Clark. And we're going to take a hotline call in a minute, but first, Marissa's got some Hall of Excellence results for us. Yes, hello, everyone. We had, of course, the Hall of Excellence poll this past week, Best Movie House Party. Um, Several people were upset that an option for the poll was not house party sure. people want it sure. now i tried to remind these people that there are no snacks at the house party and house party mm-hmm. yeah but um i mean I, the, honestly the party in the new house party might have been pretty fun but uh we had several great suggestions from our uh group members um the mad tea party from alice in wonderland oh okay love that the ice storms key party <laughs> yes. Um, someone mentions a party that Hugh Grant has at uh, his secret bachelor pad in Florence Foster Jenkins, which <gasps> Amazing. he couldn't find a video clip of. I vaguely remember that. Uh, mm, saw it, don't remember it. <laughs> but uh, the moment uh, you've all been waiting for, um, it was a pretty close one. Uh, the party did come in last, but as one uh, person commented, so weird how all of these people who haven't seen the party are voting for films that aren't the party. <laughs> so once again, Alonzo, Alonzo knows what Alonzo's doing uh, right here. I think. Well, if I knew, I would win more, you know. No, no. How many people are going to watch the party? Now, this is a greater... You're, you're taking yeah. one for the... Okay. the for cinema. You're doing the better thing. You're being a bigger person for cinema. <laughs> for cinema. 36%. Uh, voted for the 16 Candles party, Aww, but... Thanks, buddies. 51% of the vote went to the Can't Hardly Wait party, no. so another one if he's pulling out. That is so excellent. Look, we all want to be trapped in a bathroom with Seth Green, that's all. <laughs> it's a universal desire, yes. Yeah, yeah, all of us in here equally. <laughs> you all want that foreign exchange student to be like, I want to suck. You're, like, isn't the whole thing of it they keep making him say dirty stuff? <laughs> See... I feel like I'm the only one that's actually seen that movie. Now, keep an eye peeled for a not yet famous Jason Segel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jason Soongle. I want to go to any party where 90s Ethan Embry is. So. Yeah. Well, I want to go to any Charlie Cosmo party. So there you go. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Perfect. Well, um, congratulations. Ify, you do indeed uh, speak for the, the people, uh, as Dre said <laughs> I, during the main listen, discussion. I wasn't lying. He really does. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, so I, I'm not going to go away just yet okay. because I, uh, have a hotline call for you guys. Ooh. Are you interested in hearing a hotline yes, call? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. This, 
<laughs> this call is from like a year ago, as <laughs> will be clear. I would have just kept that a secret, except it will become clear in the message. But it the time timeliness of the call has kind of come back around a year later. So uh, let me just play it for you. Hi, uh, it's Drea and Alonzo. Uh, my name is Adam, one time listener, first time caller. Uh, I'm just coming off of the Red Rocket episode, which is a movie that I was looking forward to, like pretty much all award season, only to find out that it is not going to be in my state. Um, I'm from Iowa. I have a 20 screen theater close to me, so we do get like indie A24 stuff like that sometimes, but it's very inconsistent. Um, I just want to know, like, what your guys' thoughts on stuff like this are. This time of year, there's just about 50 movies that are a part of the awards conversation that people in my area are not able to see until maybe right before or maybe even right after the Oscars. So it's very hard to be a part of these conversations online when these films are not accessible to me, especially after, like, a full year of movies being very accessible with streaming and all that. Um, just if you guys have any thoughts... Uh, I really appreciate you hear it. And uh, thanks. Thanks, Adam. Yay, Adam. Yeah. All right, let's hear it for Iowa. Woo! Woo! Iowa. Iowa. That's, uh, what I dri- that's what I drive through to get to Nebraska. Boom. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a you know, it's it's a very valid point that you bring up, yeah. and and you're right. We there was that there was a hot minute there where everybody, if you had if you had high speed you know Wi-Fi, you could access all the things. And I, I think things are a little better now than they were before the pandemic in terms of you know Tars on Peacock. You know, like there's there's so much stuff that is that goes to streaming pretty quickly um you know but uh, but yeah you know is is after sun gonna get uh, a run at your 20 screen plex probably not um you know uh, is to leslie for that matter you know so uh, yeah i i unfortunately i i think that the way the 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 nature of the beast of theatrical distribution is that there are always going to be parts of the country that are just kind of um you know, uh, the equivalent of what they call a food desert where, you know, the areas where there's not uh, easy access to to produce or good groceries. Um, you know, uh, I, I think the great leveler is waiting for streaming, waiting for physical media. But until that point happens, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. It is. I mentioned earlier because the whole structure of things is that the award season is meant to be the kickoff of marketing for a ton of films. Yeah. And so like the ones that are the biggest, like, Oh, these are the Oscar bait heavy hitters. Most likelies are the things that a lot of them get a one week qualifying run in either LA or New York, or they do a limited release. And then, but the, so they're all coming out after the awards, like they're using the awards as a launch pad. Um, And then for the smaller ones, you're right. Like it's hard to be part of that conversation because those aren't going to make it for you to, to look at them forever. One thing that I will say that I did not think of to this moment, and I'm a company man, so fair enough, but the film independent spirit awards, which I've mentioned several times, um, our nominees, the the members can screen, and not just that, they vote on the winners. True, true. And, like, the starter, it's, like, an annual cost of, like, $95 for your base level membership. And you can literally, with that, be able to screen all of the nominees, which last year would have included Red Rocket. So I know there's certain prohibitives there, both 
who may, people may not have an extra hundred bucks. You may not have the streaming service to support that. But I do think that um, there are resources like that that are out there and that, you know, like obviously we have, we, there's several, what I like to think of Alonzo Godfather things like Tubi and Canopy and all of that. <laughs> They'll get these eventually. But sure. if, if people are interested in watching and, and they are, it's again, it's the spirit awards. So it won't be like your a full your, overlap, your yeah. full and like, and all of the big, but then again, like you, you, you know how to get Top Gun Maverick, but women talking, you could watch for the spirit awards. Well, uh, you know, women talking actually is the one movie this year that is sort of tr- following the old school model. Mm-hmm. Which is they did like their little limited release, and then they went they they intentionally went wide the week the Friday after the Tuesday when the nominations were announced, and mm-hmm. it paid off for them. They they got you know a couple of big nominations and apparently had a pretty good first wide release opening weekend. But that's kind of like that's sort of the the exception that proves the rule. Basically, just about all the other nominees are either well into their streaming lives like Banshees and Tar and whatnot or their Avatar which we're going to keep making money this yeah. past weekend anyway um, but yeah I, I mean uh, sadly they, they're all the the promise of streaming I think does bring things to a lot of people's homes but it doesn't bring it to your 20 plex there was, there was a period where everything seemed a lot more accessible because there was no other choice and now we're pulling back on that and it kind of makes you kind of go um, <laughs> fine um, then yeah so uh yeah i do hope that you know we do uh you know get get, get that access out there but uh, like alonzo said uh we are getting to the point where we are getting some very quick turnarounds which is great for folks who aren't trying to go to the theater right now like you can watch megan online right now the menus Spe- online speaking right of now. hot oscar properties yeah. you yeah, can yeah. see megan and right you can now. you can rent to <laughs> leslie by the way it is it's on yeah. like you know itunes and stuff yeah yeah shout out which um and and like i know um you know uh, as as much as we try and avoid the bezos machine they're pretty good about being like most of the stuff they've been gobbling up for you to rent or buy and i hope if anything uh, other than building a mech, which is the only other good thing he's done, um, is is he can get more movies to folks who need it. You hear me, Jeff? I know you're listening. He's I know totally you're listening. listening. I got you, you can hear me. How about you're bathroom listening. breaks? Let's, let's see if we can push him on that front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that's yeah. Step one: bathroom breaks. Step two: movies. Movies. Three: get that mech. Uh, make it accessible publicly accessible mechs. Uh. <laughs> I wonder if there's a new way for people to give us voice messages for hotline. Oh man, I wish actually there is we have a new way for you to easily leave us a voice message for the hotline. Go to speakpipe.com forward slash maximum film on your phone or computer and follow the simple prompts. And we'll put a link in the show notes, but that is speak pipe. Yep. Speak Pipe, S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com, speak pipe, forward slash Maximum Film. And of course, as always, 
feel free to send an email if you don't want us to hear your voice. I know, you know, the millions of people that listen to this podcast, you might not want them to hear your voice. So you can still send us an email. But if you wanted us to, to leave a voice message on <laughs> and the you don't hotline, want Ify to read it in a funky accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That record too. your voice. Yeah, record your voice and let us know what your real accent is using speak pipe. That's the pipe that lets you speak. Speakpipe.com. Speak speakpipe.com forward slash maximum film all right cool when you need to speak call the pipe okay speak pipe. okay they got it they oh got my it. God. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for staff picks it could be any movie at all who wants to kick this thing off uh i will um you know i i have to admit when i i it was not familiar with alice diop's documentary work but the first thing i had to look up is is she related to maddie diop and she is not but uh it reminded me how much i love maddie diop's film atlantics which is still available on netflix which uh acquired it out of can a few years back it is a really great uh ghost story but also magical realist tale about um income inequality uh and uh very atmospheric and cool and uh i had not heard of her films before this one either but uh it i made me an instant fan and i'm very excited to see what she's going to do next but yeah 2019's atlantics aka atlantique uh, is now streaming on Netflix. It's a good one. All right. I have another film that is also a Spirit Award nominee. Um, the Inspection, uh, mm. directed by Elegance Bratton. I programmed Elegance's documentary. Uh, is catching the theme here? Yep. Um, his documentary, Pure Kids, uh, I showed at Bentonville a yep. couple of years ago. We did it at Outfest, too. Yay, twinsies. <laughs> and um, yeah, and the inspection is based on his real life um, as when he was a young gay black man um, with a very contentious relationship with his mother and limited options of what's coming ahead. So he joined the Marines um, and it is a very intense um, headbutting of internal kind of feelings outer prejudices and then just the grind of basic training so um i think it's pretty incredible jeremy pope is nominated as well so is gabrielle union who's Ugh. so great in this and plays his mother and like terrifying oof, she should be in so many things like if she ever looked at me with that disdain and like a <laughs> cigarette out of her mouth uh-uh shut it down i'm going to sleep for a hundred years so the inspection you can currently buy on all sorts of streaming platforms including the Bezos one. <laughs> That's a really good one. I love Elegance and I love that movie. He's um, the most lovely. He is. He is. The he film is. That, that came to me instantly when uh, was An Elephant Sitting Still. This Ooh. is a 2018 movie by Hugh Bow, who unfortunately committed suicide right yes. after. But this film still haunts me to this day. It, it all takes place in one day and it follows the lives of four different uh, Chinese uh, uh, citizens who are just whose lives kind of intersect throughout the day as they're dealing with their different issues. It's just a really, really interesting, beautiful, haunting, also uh, complicated film. And particularly when you know what happens to the filmmaker afterwards, it just like brings up all these questions about the state he was in when he was making it. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's available on the excellent. criterion. 
channel, but Iffy, what do you have? I'm sure it's also on the Criterion channel. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, no, mine's is, is fairly simple and fairly late, but uh, I feel like I can say it because I just found out it's on HBO Max. I just uh, finally got around to watching the menu. Uh, all about ah, it, yeah, love it. Uh, you, you, you know, just really. Uh, just taking down capitalism and white elitism in one's fell swoop in a funny and uh, uh, easily to, easy to digest way of uh, yeah, it kept me kept me going as someone who is like a a, a food person. It is uh, yeah, it's it's Do you have really a Paco great. Jet? Oh yeah, you, know, you will uh, never want a cheeseburger more in your life than at the oh, end of the menu. My gosh! Well, if also if you didn't know, Irv's burger. I was going to say in Irv's. My oh, yeah, 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 Official <laughs> menu cheeseburger. Yeah, yeah. They, they really? Have, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Just a well, just a well-made cheeseburger at Irv's Burgers. Uh, so go uh, for it. This just in: Elephant Sitting Still is currently streaming on Ovid, Fandor, and one of my favorites, Canopy. Nice. Uh, once again, uh, Alonzo knocking it out of the park with uh, the best streaming sites you've never heard of. Uh, so <laughs> definitely, we've heard of Fandor. <laughs> uh, okay. yeah. The we of Iffy is Iffy. So yeah. <laughs> you guys, uh, okay. I did say he speaks for the people. Yeah, that's he's, right. He's, yeah, yeah. He's not wrong. That's, yeah, yeah. I speak for the people. I'm, I'm going to see if, if 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 the doofuses on anime Twitter know about Fandor. I will re- rescind my statement. If the doofus is arguing about uh, how authentic The Last of Us uh, HBO reboot is, know what Fandor is, then I will (laughs) Our our beautiful former sponsor, Ovid, and you can also purchase or or purchase on the terrible places. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely didn't mean Ovid. I definitely, a big Ovid guy. I'm a a part of the the outrageous Ovid alliance. Um, And yes, you can use just sounds for alliteration it doesn't have to actually start with the same letter uh, <laughs> all right let, before i drive everyone crazy thank you so much ellie Fumbi. where can people follow along okay. with you and your work thank you so much how, how are people going to track you and our father the devil when it finally our, hits it will us? be released next year there will be an announcement about who's getting the movie it's coming um, we have a page on Instagram, Our Father of the Devil, and you can follow me on Instagram at Ellie Fumbi. Nothing fancy, just my name. <laughs> Yay, yeah. thanks yes. for being here. Thank you. I gotta say, you know, they got the banger headshots when you Google Ellie. Uh, <laughs> the same can't be said about me. I don't know who's operating the Google picking the top pictures. Fix mine. Uh, but no, Ellie's <laughs> looking stunning. I got three different looks, three different head hairstyles. Shout out, uh, your neighbor Thank to you. Nigeria. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and actually, thirty pepper. 35% Nigerian. So. Ooh, oh, there you go. See, mm-hmm. there you go. You know, see, look, we out here. Uh, <laughs> Dre and Alonzo, thank you for another wonderful show. Uh, you know, y'all are the best. You know, I can't uh, get enough of y'all. If you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maximum film or send us an email at MaximumFilm at MaximumFun.org. Our producer is the wonderful Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producer is the also wonderful Laura Swisher. This is a production of Maximum Fun. Bye-bye.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.